to jump back into the lesson text because, guys, what are we trying to do? We're trying to lose our mind, right? We're trying to get rid of our mind and begin to ingratiate this big head with the mind of Christ. Can I get a witness? Anybody want to lose their mind? Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, have you lost your mind yet? Glory to God. Let's go to Philippians, the first chapter, if you will, with me. Philippians chapter number one. And I'm going to begin our reading at verse number 12. I want to jump back into this because we've been dealing with the, the mindset change, commitment to change, because, guys, there, there needs to be radical change in the life of the church. I believe because the church has, has not been, been as, as forthright and as prominent in the culture as it should have been and as it has been designed to be, then the culture has gone buck wild. Do y'all know what buck wild is? That, that, that means it's gotten loose. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but how many of y'all at one time were buck wild? Some of y'all went to college and got buck wild, away from home for the first time, and without parents' curfew, without somebody watching over you, and you went buck wild. But what we're trying to do today is is get you, as a born-again believer, to to begin to think like Christ and, and stop being discipled by CNN, stop being discipled by MSNBC, stop being discipled by Fox News, and start being discipled by the unadulterated word of God. That's what God is after because the minds of Christians, I think, have been diluted by, by the cultural nuances that are happening in this country. And if we're not careful, we'll start letting that stuff d- drive our theology, drive our footsteps rather than the word of God. So we got to lose our mind, amen? So the text says here, and this is the Apostle Paul writing uh, to the church, the saints at Philippi, and he writes this, this, this letter. Uh, and I, I, as I shared with you before, Paul was single-minded in focus, and Paul was, Paul was so, uh, so uh, wrapped up in having his mind be like the mind of Christ that nothing mattered except the gospel being preached and lives being changed. So we're going to move. I'm going to read a lot of scripture this morning just to get us up to speed because I want, I want this to sink in to your hearts and your minds. I want it to get down in your spirit. I want it to get down into the innermost part of your belly. Amen. Just, just right, right in the center of you. I want what Paul says here to, to, to take place uh, and to begin to, to sink into our hearts and our minds. Look what the text says. He says, what? And I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. Mind you, Paul is in jail while he's writing this. Mind you, he's been falsely accused. Mind you, he had even religious folks come against him. But yet he says this, for for everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains, what? Because of Christ. Next verse says what? And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. Text says this, let's keep reading. It's true that some are preaching out of jealousy and rivalry, but others preach about Christ with pure motives. Text says this, next verse, they preach because they love me, for they know I have been appointed to defend the good news. The text also says this, those others do not have pure motives. How many of y'all know that there are people in the body of Christ who don't have pure motives? There are people in the body of Christ who do stuff for selfish reasons sometimes. There are some in the body of Christ who do things for self-adoration. They want their name to be called. They want to be listed as one of the leaders or the officers of the church. And, and as long as they can get that, they're okay. 
But look at what Paul says. Those others do not have pure motives as they preach about Christ. They preach with selfish ambition, not sincerely, intending to make my change more painful to me. Text says this next verse, but that doesn't matter. Whether their motives are false or genuine, the message about Christ is being preached either way. So I rejoice and I will continue to rejoice. Let's keep moving, guys. For I know that as you pray for me and the spirit of Jesus Christ helps me, this will lead to my what? My deliverance. Let's keep reading, guys. It says what? For I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed, but that I will continue to be bold for Christ as I have been in the past. And I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ, whether I live or die. Listen to what Paul says here, guys. Paul is in jail now. He says, I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ, whether I live or whether I die. Look at what he says. Let's keep moving. I got, uh, listen, man, every time I read this, I think about the single-minded focus of Paul, how he, how he had grasped hold to what it was to be like Christ and have the mind of Christ. For me to, for to me, living means living for Christ and dying is even better. Look what it says here. But if I live, I could do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better. Watch this, guys. I'm torn between two desires. I long to go and be with Christ, which would be far better for me. But for your sakes, it is better that I continue to live. Next verse says what? Knowing this, I'm convinced that I will remain alive so I can continue to help all you grow and experience the joy of your faith. The joy of your faith. Now, guys, I'm, I'm going to uh, I'm gonna skip ahead uh, a little bit. Let's go to the, the second chapter. And we're going to look at verse number one. Philippians chapter two, verse number one. Now, notice Paul's mindset. Don't miss it, guys. Paul was in jail. Paul was incarcerated. Yet he's, he's talking and saying that, that listen, if the gospel is being furthered, if people are being, receiving the message and their lives are being changed because it might, I'm in bonds here and people are emboldened to preach more strongly, then more power to it. Let me be in bonds. Now, I don't know about how many of y'all are here would be in the position to where you were in jail, falsely accused, which you have that same mindset. But Paul was so focused on, 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 on the mind of Christ that it didn't matter what was happening to him. Look at what it says in verse number one. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Look what it says. Then make me truly happy, watch this, by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with what? With what? Come on, y'all got to say it with what? With one mind. Now, this is not the mind of Doyle Adams. Come on. Not the mind of Danny Thomas or Constance Thomas. Not the mind of Donald Johnson. Not the mind of Tony White. Not the mind of the Baptists or the Episcopalians or the Assembly of God or the Church of God in Christ or the Pentecostals. But the mind of Christ is what he's after. Look at what it says. Loving one another and working together with one mind and one purpose. Verse 3. Let's read. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. The next verse says what? Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Guys, listen to this. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Now, I want to read this verse here from the King James Version of Scripture because I think it just succinctly ties together what we're trying, what we're after. What I'm telling you what I'm after as your pastor. I want you to lose your mind. 
I'm telling what I'm telling you what I'm after as your pastor. I, I want I want people to see such a radical change in your life and how you handle life situations and issues that they're gonna they're gonna wonder what's going on with you. Why are you not still coming over and drinking with us on the weekend and getting drunk? Oh, none of y'all have ever done that, have you? Why aren't you why aren't you why aren't you still uh Coming uh, to the club with us. Why aren't you still uh, doing these uh, dastardly and, and audacious things that we used to do when we were growing up? Because you're my homeboy. But now you're different. You've been sitting under that Doyle Adams fella. What's, what are y'all doing up there? And, and, and I want you to live so radically different that they want to they come and investigate. What are you doing up there? What's being taught? What's being put inside of your mind? And we, we have the privilege of telling them that now I've lost my mind and I've gained the mind of Christ. I'm living for Jesus. Somebody said, I'm, 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 I'm running for Jesus. I'm not tired yet. I am not tired yet because I'm going to keep moving for Christ Jesus. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Now, guys, you that grew up in, in New English, and I tell you this all the time, there is, there is an understood you there. You don't have to put the you there, but it's an understood you that goes in front of the let. Anybody took English in high school? There's a, you don't even have to put you there, but it's understood that it says, you let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, which means that each one of us have a choice. In other words, God will not open your head up and put Christ's mind or his word inside of there. You have to be a willing participant. Because guys, I'm going to be honest with you. As your pastor, if God gave me the, the, the privilege to do that, some of y'all would be, I, I would be performing surgery on your head right now. Are y'all with me? I would, if, if, if God would allow that, well, listen, maybe I'm not a surgeon, but I, 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 uh, uh, I, I got some, I got some surgeons here that can help me. I got some doctors here that can help me. I got, I got some folks who I know who are saved and who can perform surgery. If they would just cut you open, I'd go put the word inside of that and I'd get them to sew you back up. But unfortunately you have to choose to participate in losing your mind and gaining the mind of Christ. And so that's what we're after. Because this world and this society, this culture that we live in, needs to see the church being the true church. Are y'all with me today? This world is desperate to see Christians live out this faith, not according to your cultural upbringing, but according to the word of God. The Bible says this, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God. The word was God. The word became flesh and dwelt among men. The word is Christ Jesus. Jesus is embodied in the word. And so what he's saying is that if we're going to have the mind of Christ, we got to have some word percolating inside of us. All right. And we're going to talk even more so about how you begin to do that, how you begin to, to dismiss some of this stuff that, that's been down on the inside of us for years. Because, guys, I'm going to tell you something. There is, listen, there is nothing more stronger than tradition and cultural and family of origin influence. I'm here to tell you, most of us do stuff the way we do it now because of what we saw coming up. Would y'all agree? How many of y'all ladies cook food a certain way because you saw your mama cook that way? 
Y'all don't cook. Do we have some non-cooking sisters in the house? Are, are you a modern woman? Do, do y'all cook? Somebody saying, no, not me. I'm, I'm, I ain't going to lie, Pastor. But I know, <laughs> somebody said sometimes. I know, I know my, my, my wife, she, you know, I've I, I told you about how I blame my mother-in-law for my weight gain. Did I tell y'all that didn't? This joke. But, 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 but when mother, mother-in-law was a good cook, and so when she started living with us, uh, she would cook, and then we would come home from work, and, 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 and dinner would be ready on the table. That was a good thing, y'all. Now, now listen, I, I got to be honest with y'all. Uh, it, it, was, it was more easy for me, Laura Lee, than it was for Moraria because, you know, when your mama's there and, and you're there and, and sometimes you and your mama see things differently, come on. Am I right about it? All right. It ain't, it ain't that you don't love your mama, but, but sometimes you, you clash because sometimes you clash because you, you kind of alike in a lot of ways. Amen. So I was happy, but it was a big adjustment for Moraria. But, but she's, she's over that now. And the adjustment is made. And we thank God for my mother-in-law who's 90 years old. But, that, but she was cooking for us. And guys, it was, it, it, it was good food. Lord Jesus, I'm getting hungry while I'm preaching. Somebody help me. But Moraria, as beautiful as she is, and as fine of a woman as she is, amen, she got more than just good looks, baby. She know how to burn, Jenny. And the food is season, right? So she learned a lot of that from her, from her mother. But guys, we catch a lot of stuff from our families of origin, some good and some not so good. So that's why, as a born-again believer, I have to pivot now and stop focusing on my family of origin from the standpoint of it influencing how I do life. I do need to go back, come on, in order to go forward so I can identify some things that may be affecting me in the way I do life today. Some some of y'all have father wounds. Some of y'all have mother wounds. Some of y'all have some other wounds that are inflicted upon you, and you don't even recognize it because you didn't go back to discover that that affected me in a negative way, and I act the way I act now because I haven't allowed the Holy Spirit and his word to deal with that wound that I got. So we got to go back and look. But what I want us to do is to now put place the focus on our new family. If you have been born again, you are now part of the body of Christ. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, I believe it's 2 Corinthians 5 and 17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So we're new, guys. And so now it's, it's incumbent upon us if we're going to, to, to be agents for change in the earth that we got to begin to change the way we think about life. Again, I've, I've talked to enough of you and have been here 32 years to know that, that we got some good folks in the body of Christ here, some, some born again believers. But I also know that all of us, everybody say me too, all of us have some ways of thinking, some little idiosyncrasies, some little habits, some stuff that's about us that's not lined up with God's will for our life. Come on, we, we all be honest. I need some hands raised. This is confession time. How many of y'all know you got some stuff about you that Christ wants to change? Yeah, I do too. I do too, okay? So, so we, we, we're going to lose our mind and gain the mind of Christ. Now, again, I share with you that, that, that when, we, when we look at this text and we begin to delve into it a little bit more, 
we talked about the fact that, that God will use three things usually to, to help facilitate change in our life. Now, first and foremost, it's the word of God he uses. Everybody say the word. So what God does is if his ideal scenario is that we will take his word, study it, understand what God wants us to do, and then just follow it. Just pure, simple obedience. Don't have to understand it. Don't have to, don't have to, don't have to uh, 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 know all the ins and outs of it, but I just trust that what God said is true and it's good for me. And I do it. That's ideal. But, but that doesn't happen all the time, right? Because most of us are a little bit stubborn. We got family of origin stuff that is affecting us even today. So he, God uses his word to try to change us. And then he'll use his Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit will tug on our hearts. When, when something, something we, we say it's something, but it's the Holy Spirit. We say, something told me not to go over there. Something told me that if I went over there, that, that even though I said to myself that I'm not going to let him touch me that way again, and we're going to have sex outside of marriage again, something told me not to go over there, but I went anyway, and I told myself, I fooled myself, and told myself if he touches me, is this too real for some of y'all? Is this too raw for some of y'all? Or the brother went over and said, yeah, listen, I, I, I ain't going to do it this time. I'm, 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 I'm going to keep myself. I'm, 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 I'm going I'm to be good. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Look at me. I need y'all to look at me. Don't you trust your flesh? Are you listening to me? You know the last time you went over there and you told yourself that the Holy Spirit just said, don't go. As a matter of fact, the Holy Spirit had your mama call you. The Holy Spirit had a, 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 had a call from work. You were on call, but you, you were so, you know, your flesh was pulling you so you, you, you didn't answer the phone from work. But God was all the time trying to interrupt this thing you're getting ready to do, but you kept on moving and you went over and you failed. See, see. God, the Holy Spirit will begin to try to get you to change. And, and lastly, here's what most of us are. Let me say it again. Here's what most of us are. God has to use circumstances. He has to use circumstances. Oftentimes, whether he sent it or not, I told you last week, it doesn't matter. God will still use it. Even if the devil brought it, even if you brought it on yourself, God will use that circumstance to change your direction in life. And I don't know about you, but there have been some times in my life where there have been some painful things that God allowed to flow in my life. And, and a lot of it was because of my decision, and poor decisioning, that God, uh, God used it to change me. So his word, his spirit, and his circumstances. Now let's get into the, the meat of what we want to talk about today. Uh, six characteristics of the Christ-like mind. Let's talk about this for a second. Because we're, we're going to delve a little bit deeper into this thing because if we're going to have the mind of Christ, we need to understand what the mind of Christ is. The mind of Christ is more than just coming to church. The mind of Christ is more than just a denominational uh, 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 way of doing life. Having the mind of Christ means that I, I radically choose to let Christ and his word and his principles guide my decision making every day. So let's go to the first one we talked about. Six categories of a Christ-like mind. First, first category of a person who has a Christ-like mind, it is a lie. Let's go to Romans, the eighth chapter. And I, I tell you, well, let's start at verse number one, if we can. Romans, the eighth chapter, and verse number one. And we're going to move on down. It's a lie. In Christ, guys, we have everlasting life. Amen. 
we have everlasting life. And Jesus went further than just saying we, we live. Remember, uh, remember in John 10 and 10, says, Jesus said, I've come that you may have life and that you may have it, what, more abundantly. That's what Christ says. I come that you may have life, live, all right, eternal life, but I want you to have it more abundantly. I want you to live a life that, 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 that says that, that you can enjoy life here on this side of heaven. Because see, I don't know about you guys, but I grew up uh, somewhat in a, in, a, in, a, in a faith culture that, that, that was waiting till we got to the other side in order to rejoice. When I get over yonder, when I get to heaven, I'm going to walk around heaven all day. Those kind of songs we sung, you know. But I need, to, I need you to hear me. God says we can enjoy and have abundant life here on this side of heaven. And because God wants us to have an abundant life, a joyful life, so that we can influence others. Because when others see us living a joyful life, they're going to want to know, they should want to know, what is it about you that's different? Why is it that you can be happy in the midst of this sad situation? Why is it that you can uh, still have joy when you were treated, mistreated uh, in, in, a, in a terrible way? How is it that you can still hold your head up and still smile and be okay? Because you have the mind of Christ. Paul had it. Paul sat there in that, in that jail and said, you know, I know people are glad I'm here because they figure it's their chance to shine and get ahead of me. But you know what? They're preaching Christ. People are getting saved, so I'm rejoicing. That's a one-track mind. Any of y'all ever had a one-track mind before? No, 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 I'm serious. Have you ever had, a, had your mind been so focused on one thing, it did not matter what else was going on around you? Anybody been there before? It did not matter. You know, I can get that way about f- certain foods. I'll tell you before, if, if, if I get focused on a certain food and I want it, any of y'all have been there before? I'll drive an hour to go get it. Why are y'all looking at me like that? I tell you, and most of y'all who heard me preach for a number of years know that I have an affinity for good, falling off the bone, baby back ribs. Man, for some way, I, I love, I mean, good smoke to the bone. And, and I, there was a place up at Magnolia, and they, they still doing pretty good, I think. And, and, and I'll drive that 50 minutes if I have a fix. Are y'all like me? Think about, think about that. There are some barbecue restaurants here in the, in the Shreveport, Bozeman Metro area, but when I want some good meat on the bone, I'll drive 50 minutes to go get it or an hour. That's a one-track mind. Now, some of y'all had one-track minds in other areas, have you? Some of y'all had a one-track mind you wanted to get to him. And you drove six hours to spend two hours and drove six hours back just to be with him. A brother, you, you drove 10 hours to spend three hours and drove 10 hours back to be with her. Don't y'all look at me like that. I know some of y'all have done some crazy stuff because you had a one-track mind. You were focused on that person or that thing that you felt that was very important. So Paul was so focused that it didn't matter. He was about Christ Jesus. Now watch this, guys. I need y'all to go with me, okay? So Christ, Christ died so that we may have a, his mindset. It, it was a living mindset. It, it's alive. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Let's keep reading. And because you belong to him, the power of the living, the, the power of the life-giving spirit 
has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Listen to what he says. Back up just for a second, if you will. Back just for a second. And because you belong to him, what does that mean? The moment that I confess Christ as my Lord and Savior, I am not my own. The Bible says I've been bought with a price. The blood of Jesus, amen, paid the price for my sins and yours. I don't, I'm not my own now. So I don't understand the mindset of the Christian who says, well, I got, it's, I, here's what I want. And here's what I need. And here's where, listen, I understand we have our preferences, but at some point in time, you got to start saying, here's what Christ wants for my life. Too many Christians are self-centered and selfish and even to the point to where we won't do what God wants to do because it gets in the way of what we want to do. Watch this. And because you belong to him, we've been bought with a price. The power of of, of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Look at this verse. Let's read. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. Now, guys, listen to this real carefully. I don't want you to miss this, Okay. The law of Moses, it says, was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. Peep this. Listen to me real carefully. Do you realize that God gave the law knowing full well that man was incapable of keeping the law so he could show pride for man that he needed a savior? Are y'all with me today? So the law, man was never going to be able to keep it because of the weakness of his sinful nature. And so, so when man never could keep, that's why every, every year, you know, once a year, the high priest went into the holies of holies to offer a, a sacrifice for the sins of the people, right? That, that, that sacrifice that the, that the high priest did annually was, all it did was cover sin. But how many know the blood of our Savior, Jesus Christ, that's power in that blood. That blood washes away my sins to be remembered no more, to be cast as far as the east is from the west. I thank God for the blood. We're going to always preach Jesus Christ, him crucified as the way to get to God. It's his blood that saves us, amen, his blood that redeems us, his blood that washes away our sin. So the law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law couldn't do. He sent his own son in a body like the in a, in a body like the bodies where we sinners have, and in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving His Son as a sacrifice for our sins. Now, watch this guy. Look, look at this. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us, who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow what the Spirit. Look at verses five and six. Listen to this. Listen. I need y'all to listen to this real carefully. It says, "What well, those." who are dominated by the sinful nature, think about sinful things. I want to challenge you this coming week, just this coming week. I want you to just take a, take a you know, don't, don't do it on your iPad or on your phone. Just take, just do some old-fashioned writing. When the last time you sit down and just wrote something out? I want you to sit down and write down what you think about. What are your desires? Good or bad, just write them out. Just write down what your desires are. Now, you may have to cover it up. This is between you and God, okay? So get, some of y'all say, well, bro, pastor, what, here's what I want you to do. I want you to write it down, and then I want you to look at that list, and then I want you to shred it. I want you to tear it up, okay? I want you to be honest about what your desires are. What, what are you thinking about? 
And I want you to compare that to what God's word says we should be thinking about. Will y'all do me that favor? Just, just sit down, just jot it down. Whatever it is, if you're thinking about money, if you're thinking about somebody else that you shouldn't be thinking about, write it down. <clears throat> Can y'all, okay, back up, back up. Write down your desires, good or bad. Because what we're going to see, look at, look, look at what Paul says here. I'm not making this up, guys. He says, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about what? So if you start writing down and you got a list of 10 things over here that, that are, that are God-honoring and good, and you got a list of here of 50 that are not God-honoring, that are sinful, guess what? You're being dominated by your sinful nature. And you need to know that because here's what I've discovered. In the church, many people come into the church and we are in self-deception thinking that we're farther alone than what we actually are and our thinking will give us away. Paul says those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about the things that please the Spirit. Look at verse number six. So letting your sinful nature control your mind does what? It leads to death. But letting the spirit control your mind leads to what? Life and peace. It leads to life. That means I am I'm alive in the way I think about life. When I let, when I let the spirit, when I let, 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 I have to let it. I have to choose. Because God will not just come and knock you over and take over your thinking. You have to choose. And one of the ways you do that, guys, is, is putting the word of God before your face. Because the word of God has a way, when you get into the word, it has a way of transforming the way you think about life and issues. I tell you before, from, from a pastoral leader standpoint, one of, the, one of the most satisfying and gracious things that I ever come across is when a person who's under our leadership at this church comes back and gives a testimony about how they applied this word that we're learning, Sherry, come on, and, and put it into action and seeing that it work and brings them deliverance and freedom. Because there are a whole lot of folks who are coming to church, and that's why the world is confused, a whole lot of folks who are coming to church, and they, 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 even if they hear word preached, they're not taking that word and putting it into action in their everyday lives. And as a matter of fact, there are many who come to church only on Sundays and they won't even they won't even uh, uh, take the time to invest in their own spiritual discipleship. Because, again, remember, disciple is one who follows the teaching of the rabbi. We're following Jesus Christ. But there are many people who 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 are in the church and I think that they're born again but they have no interest in becoming a disciple because they only want to go so far. But if you got the mind of Christ, you're willing to sell out. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the spirit control your mind leads to what? Life and peace. Okay, guys, talk about it for a second. So, so, so we are, 
Christ is alive and he gives life. And we have, when, when we have a Christ-like mind, it is alive. It is vibrant. Guys, I, I, I don't believe that Christians should be old fuddy-duddies walking around looking mean and ornery and trying to convict everybody to hell. As a matter of fact, our lives should be so vibrant and so, 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 so full of wisdom and, as we follow the mind of Christ that people should look at us and say, man, I want what they have. But the, fact, the sad reality is, guys, is many Christians who are supposed to be ambassadors for Christ aren't being, being very good ambassadors. And so God says, I, it's time for us to change. Amen. The thief coming out, but to steal, kill, destroy, but I come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundant. When you set your mind on the spirit, you experience life. Listen to me carefully. You can choose what you will think about. Let me say it again. You can choose what you will think about. That's why your will is so important. The will is the one thing that God won't touch. The will is the one thing that God won't touch. He, we have to choose to give our will over to him. We have to choose to let, our, let this mind be in us as it also in Christ. That's why as a pastor, I, 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 guys, I've learned this and it saves me a whole lot of sleep. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Grown people will do what grown people will to do. Let me come to this side over here. Grown, good and grown people will do what they will and desire to do. And you can, we can come up with all kinds of excuses in the world, but I promise you, if you want to do something bad enough, you'll do it. Can I get a witness? See, guys, the mind that is set on the flesh is death. The mind that is set on the spirit is alive and is active. And, and life, guys, is distinguished by activity. If something is alive, it's going to be moving. It's going to be doing something. The mind of Christ is not lazy. How many of y'all have ever been a lazy Christian before? Come on, come on, come on. How many of y'all have been in one of those doldrums? You, 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 one while you're on fire for the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Woo! But then you had a period of time where you were kind of in the spiritual doldrums. Where you were sort of really in a backslidden state, even though you didn't really say that because that makes you feel bad. That you said you were backslidden, but you were, you were, you were not as vibrant and you were not as, as, as forthright in your walk with the Lord as you were when you first got saved. Anybody ever been there before? I, I'm, I'm telling you, I... I I've been, I've been, I was saved, but I wasn't that vibrant. I wasn't having the Christ-like mind where I was alive and, and active. And, 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 and so, so guys, when, when the mind of Christ is not lazy. The mind of Christ enjoys being occupied with godly things. It, it reflects on the person of God. It, it, it prays, and, 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 and at times it brings uh, the, the intentions and the purpose of God into conversations with others and in our interactions with others. How many of y'all, y'all know professed believers who never talk about the things of God except their church? Well, let me back up. What about you? Do you ever t- talk about the things of God outside of the four walls of this church? 
Do the things of God come up in your conversations with your family, with your coworkers? See, when your mind is like Christ and it's alive, you're gonna, you, you, you won't have that dead mind. That, that, that dead mind is the one that never talks about the things of God. The, the mind that's alive like Christ, because the mind of Christ is active, it'll, 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 it'll be thinking about how can I please God? How can I get into a position where I can do something that's going to bring glory to God and not to myself? That's where Paul was, guys. So first characteristic is alive. Second characteristic, guys, is a single-minded. And we'll go to 2 Corinthians 11 chapter. Guys, the mind that is alive chooses the spiritual over the fleshy. All right, so if you're consistently choosing the fleshy over the spiritual, maybe your mind is not alive. Well, not maybe, it's not alive. It's not Christ-like. Because if I, if I choose, because I got a will, God won't make me obey him. Do y'all know that, right? If God was going to do that, he would make everybody get saved. But he doesn't. You're a free moral agent, and you have, you, you have a choice to follow God or not. There's consequences either way. Favorable if you follow, disfavorable if you don't follow. Or if you reject him, obviously, there's, there's, there's eternal destiny that we have to think about. Because if, if the rapture tarries long enough, another thousand years, all of us are here going to be dead shortly. Are you with me? All of us are going to die if the rapture tarries. Now, then, there are going to be some people who are not going to face physical death because the rapture will come before physical death has, has an opportunity to take hold of us. So, but, but by and large, if, if, it, if the rapture tarries, we'll all die. So where do you go after you die? Well, I just sleep. No, I'll tell you what. You reach a problem, you're going to find out it's more than just some sleeping that's going on. Watch this guy, 2 Corinthians 11. chapter. So 2 Corinthians is single-minded. In other words, the mind of Christ is single-minded in devotion to Christ. Guys, I, I'm going to tell you, this, this, you know, when we studied the, the book of Philippians, we talked about the single-minded purpose. One of our spiritual problems is becoming distracted or being led astray. And guys, we're in a, we're in a, we're in a society now, in a culture now, where there are so many distractions with social media, with 24-hour news cycles, with a lot of stuff going on. Our kids involved in this and they're running and doing this. Isn't it amazing how we can support our kids and stuff and run with them all over creation? But when it comes time to pursuing the things of God, we don't have time. See, if we're going to lose our mind and gain the mind of Christ, there, there are going to be some decisions and choices that we have to make. And again, I'm, I, listen, I'm, I will tell you, support your child in what they're doing. Be there for them. But you got to have some balance in life. Amen? you got to have balance in life. Look at what Paul says here in 2 Corinthians 11 chapter. Let's read. It says, I hope you will put up with a little more of my foolishness. Please bear with me. Paul says, humor, humor me just for a second. Watch this. Paul goes on this, on this somewhat of a little rant. He says, for I am jealous for you with the jealousy of God himself. I promised you as a pure bride to one husband, Christ. All right, next verse. But I fear that somehow your pure and undivided devotion to Christ, your pure and undivided devotion to Christ will be corrupted just as Eve was deceived 
by the cunning ways of the serpent. Guys, I want to say something right quick on that one. Back up there. It says Eve was deceived by the cunning ways of the serpent. One of the, one of the first things that the serpent did, and it started in, in the Garden of Eden, and it's happening even today at a more prevalent level. The first thing that the Satan told Eve was, Yea, hath God said... See, what, what's happening in our culture today and what's happening even in our churches, some of our churches and some of our denominations, is that people are doubting the authenticity of the word of God. That was one of Satan's first tricks, and he's still using it today to get you to doubt that this word has the power to transform your life. Do y'all remember, guys, when we, when we looked at... Um, I think it was 2 Timothy, the third chapter. Uh, and, and I read it all the time. And, and, and it's, it's, it's really important that we, we, we understand this because, guys, we're, we're not going to get to where we need to be if we don't have any word time. You're not going you, to become uh, a disciple of Jesus Christ if, if there is no time for word. Okay, listen to me. And I, I know I know some of y'all say, well, but Pastor, listen, I just want to come and I want to just soak up the glory of the Lord. I want to come and enjoy the song praise. I, I, I listen to you preach, but, but, but Pastor, I, I really, you know, you know, having quiet time with the Lord, you know, that, that, just, that, ain't, that ain't me. That ain't for me. Yes, it is if you're born again. If you want to become a disciple, it has to be for you. Let, let, let me read this right quick for you. I, I, I know I'm skipping, and so, but I, but I got I to get us back to, uh, I got to, uh, Get us back to this. Uh, second, second Timothy, the third chapter, verse number 16 says, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. Now, listen, think about this for a second, because if, if I believe that the Bible is God's word and if I believe what Paul told his young pastoring son, Timothy here is true, then guys, Notice what it says. It is inspired by God and it's useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. So if I have no time in word, if my devotional time is weak, then I'm going to be looking at life and I'm going to be making judgments and determinations about different situations based off my cultural upbringing and what my friends are telling me and what my family is saying and what I get off the news. I'm going to tell you guys, God called the church to operate under kingdom principles, not American principles, but kingdom principles. And God called the church to, to, to have influence not only in America but across this globe. And we got to let the word of God dictate and determine our pathway for life rather than stuff that we hear out here. Now, I'm not saying everything that we hear out here doesn't have some merit. But what I'm saying is, is that if it does not line up with God's word, then I got to shuck it. Everybody say shuck it. Y'all know what it means to shuck it? How many of y'all ever shucked corn before? Anybody? What does shucking corn involve? Get in that field, pluck it, 
that stuff that's in because you, you don't want the stringy stuff all in there when you, you anybody 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 know what corn on the cob is? Anybody that ate corn on the cob? If you don't shuck it right, you got all that stringy stuff on the middle and you start biting it's like hair in your mouth. Ooh, that's icky in it. Ooh, gosh. So let's say everybody say we gotta shuck it. If it doesn't line up with the scripture, I gotta shuck it. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. Next verse says what? God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Okay? So, so, so the word of God will give us a single-minded focus. Single-mindedness is the discipline of attention. And guys, my goodness, a lot of us aren't paying attention nowadays. You can direct or control your attention with the focus on Christ and his kingdom. That's what we just learned in emotionally healthy relationships. And I'm going to challenge you guys. Uh, for those of y'all who didn't get a chance to go through the study, but we got some extra books. I'm going to challenge you to, to, uh, to grab emotionally healthy spirituality and emotionally healthy relationships. Because the emotionally healthy relationship course that we just finished talks about learning how to love well and learning how to, 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 to be able to build healthy, God-honoring relationships with other people. Most Christians don't do relationships very well. And relationship building is the very thing that we as disciples need to learn how to do. Jesus was good at it. Others were good at it. Paul was good at it. You know, there, there were, you know when, when, you, when you're building relationship with people and learning how to love them well, you love them enough to tell them the truth. You love them enough to forgive them when they mess up. Because anytime you're in relationship with people, guys, you, you're, you're, and then when, you, when you choose to love somebody, there's a chance you can get hurt. So what's some of y'all's, what, what's, what's, some, what's some, some, some people, some Christians' uh, uh, solution to that problem? Well, I just won't love anybody real hard. I just, I just, I'm just going to keep to myself. And I'll, 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 I'm going to handle you with a long handle spoon. Y'all know what that means? I'm, you're going to be out there and we're right there. I'm not going to let you get too close to me because the last time I let somebody get close to me, I got hurt. Well, let me tell you something, guys. Yes, when you love, there is the potential to be hurt. But I'd much rather be in obedience to God's word and love well than to not love at all. Don't you? As a pastor, guys, I have to, that's part of my mandate. I mean, I love on some of y'all, but, but some of the very people you love on will turn around and go. Psh. How many of y'all have been in a relationship with some, some people and, and at one point in time you were the best thing since sliced light bread? You were cooler than the other side of the pillar. You were cool as a cucumber until you weren't. Then all of a sudden, the person who was on your side, the person who loved you, the person who, who y'all did lunch together, y'all did life together, now they won't even talk to you. And you told yourself, never again. Mm-mm. Never again. Yeah, I'm coming to church, but I know church folks. But guys, listen to me very carefully. The only problem with that is this. If you're going to be obedient to Christ, you can't afford and you can't choose not to love well. If you're going to be a disciple for Christ. And we're all called to be disciples. So I, I need y'all check this out. I need y'all look at me. I'm sitting down right quick. Okay? I need y'all look at me. I know you've had some pain and heartache before. 
And it's probably happened with somebody in the church or outside the church. It probably was a family member. But you know what? The pain and the hurt that you have, I think, is a way of God showing you, listen, you should never put your trust totally in a person. You trust me. And you need to know that that person is fallible and they got faults just like you. And just like maybe you were hurt by them, maybe you hurt somebody else. But that somebody you hurt forgave you. But now here you're over here with your, with your messed up self. Won't forgive somebody who hurt you. But yet that person who, 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 who when you messed up royally chose to forgive you and help transform your life. But here you are, recipient of forgiveness by the Savior Christ Jesus, recipient of forgiveness by that person who knew how to love well to love you through your mess. And now you're here over here with your righteous self choosing not to love people. Somebody need to hear that. Because see, God wants to use you, you and I, to be purveyors of gospel truth. And the only Bible that some people are going to read is your life. The only Bible that some people are going to get a chance to get a taste of is when they see you walking in agape love. When they see you forgiving them, when they know they were, if justice had had its way, they should have been wiped out. But you chose to say, I forgive you. And we're going to work this thing out. There's a process. We can't just forgive. I'm going to forgive you, but we got to work through the emotional part of the hurt too. Some folks want to say, well, if you forgive me, let's not talk about it. No, we got to talk about it. We got to talk about it. We got to figure out what went wrong. What, what caused you to go there and so, so that you won't go there again? When somebody tells you, if you forgive me, you forget it. That's a, that's a lie from the pits of hell. Because you, if you don't deal with what caused it and you don't have a clear enunciation, a clear path of what caused that you to act the way you act, you're going to repeat it. And I ain't about going through that thing again. I want us to be free from I'm I'm here telling you I forgive you, but let's work through the emotional hurt of it so that we won't go back there again. Are y'all tracking with me today? Man, I didn't mean to get sidetracked on this, but somebody need to hear this. God loves you. And he wants to use you to show the agape love to other people. But he can't do that if you're like, mm, I, mean, I ain't fooling with people. Church people, I go to church, pastor, I'm coming, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get my tithes and my offer, but you know what? I ain't gonna, I've been hurt before. Let me see the hands of everybody here who has never been hurt before. Okay, no hands are raised. So all of us have been hurt before. I choose to live life in a vibrant, God-honoring way. And when you learn how to love well, when you learn how to do relationships better, when you learn how to have emotionally healthy relationships, man, life is so much more full and complete. You're able to communicate. You're able to talk about stuff. You, you, don't, you, you don't just push stuff down beneath the surface and let it fester down there and, and scab goes over top of it. There's no healing that's taking place. And then all of a sudden at the most inopportune time, that hurt comes back up because it was never dealt with properly. When you walk through what you went, when you what you walk through, okay, y'all still with me? 
Do y'all still love me? Can I talk to y'all this way? See, see, as your pastor, I, I, didn't, I wasn't called to be your friend. I was called to be your shepherd. And you know what a shepherd does? When the sheep is over there going astray, he gets his hook, grab him by the neck, and put him back. I love all of y'all. And I promise you, if we learn to do life God's way, we're going to be blessed. So single-minded. So if you want to get your mind focused, daily office, time of still in the foot of the Lord is, is, is critically important. Our minds must be preoccupied with sincere and pure devotion to Christ. All right, last one. Lowly. Go to Philippians second chapter again. Go back. Verses one, one through three. Lowly, a mind of humility. See, pride is a pride is a pride is a, a prideful attitude uh, can be a very dangerous thing for a believer. Scripture says this pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. How many of y'all know some prideful Christians? How many of y'all walked in pride before? I mean, there's, there, there's, listen, I'm talking about sinful pride. There's, there's, there are things we should be proud of and, and thank God for, for blessing us. But, but I'm talking about sinful pride now. When sinful pride erupts in your life, man, it's a very dangerous thing because pride is one of them sins that is hard to see sometimes. You can't see it, but somebody else can. Look at what he says here. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ, any comfort from his love, any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Look at what he says here. Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and with one purpose. The mind is supposed to be lowly. Supposed to be lowly and humility go hand in hand. You cannot be humble unless you are lowly. Humility follows lowliness of mind. Humility speaks of a relationship to others and to God. Lowliness is a state of mind, okay? Humility speaks of a relationship to others and God, but lowliness is a state of mind. The opposite of lowliness is haughtiness or pride or arrogance. Lowliness is a trait which must be cultivated. Members of the body of Christ learn to submit to one another by lowliness. We can foster lowliness by concentrating on a genuine appreciation for the person of God. Lowliness must come first in order for perspective to be right. All right, so we, we covered three of them today. And I promise you we're going to get through this, y'all. <laughs> first characteristic of a Christ-like mind, what? It's alive. It's living. It's vibrant. It's not lazy. It's not condescending. It's alive. Second is what? It's single-minded. Guys, you got to be so single-minded in your, in your purpose that, that, that your life revolves around pleasing your Savior. I'm not saying you don't have time, downtime, that you have time to vacation and enjoy family, that type of thing. We all have different things that we're involved in. But when you are single-minded, your life revolves around your relationship with Christ Jesus and not your fraternity. Not just sorority, those, not, not, it's not that it's wrong to be involved in those things, but, but I need to know that you, are, that you are a follower of Christ before I know you're a Cap Alpha Psi or an AKA or, or, or a Pike or, 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 or whoever, whatever fraternity or sorority you belong to. Those things are good, but the brotherhood of Christ Jesus is what, what should be paramount and foremost in everybody's mind who belong to Christ. Single-minded. Paul was single-minded and lowly. Walking in a state of lowliness 
not thinking of yourself more highly than you ought to. This kind of mind Christ had. Think about that for God himself left glory to come down here to earth to live in, among sinful men to offer himself as a sacrifice. Man, what had the power to wipe everybody out but chose to die a sacrificial death so that you and I could be sitting here today saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost on our way to heaven if we were to die. He didn't think he was too good to come and serve is what I'm getting at. How many of you think you're too good to go and serve God's people? Alive, single-minded, lowly. We'll, we'll knock out those next three next week. Give a head, body, very close. Father, we thank you.